Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Good Trash Garbage Shoot. I am Arthur Gordon. Uh, this is going to be a new series we do where we uh, occasionally post reviews of brand new releases, and I am here today to talk to you about Guillermo del Toro's uh, recent movie, newest movie opening this weekend, Nightmare Alley. Um, as many of you know, longtime listeners of the main show, uh, that we here at the genre cast are uh, big Guillermo del Toro fans, and so I was uh, interested to see his newest work, and so uh, we're just going to dive right in. So the conceit of this little uh, bonus show, uh, the garbage shoot title uh, working, um, we'll see what happens there. But uh, it's just going to be quick reviews of new releases, not going really in-depth and analysis, more of a should you see it, should you skip it, you know, that sort of um, scale. So that's what I'm hoping to accomplish here. Sometimes the the, the others may join me, uh, but I anticipate these are going to be quick little uh, things that you can dive into if you're curious about a movie or... Um, what we think of it here at the genre cast, it may be me, it may be Dalton, maybe Dustin, uh, maybe a guest host, who knows, uh, but we're really opening this up to uh, just kind of get some newer content in. Uh, you know, we typically do uh, focus primarily in the main show on older films and doing those deep dives into them, and these are going to be more just reactionary takes on the films after we've seen them. So, welcome to episode one of The Good Trash uh garbage shoot um and so not you know that name might be not everything on here is gonna be garbage obviously but i was thinking of something quick compact condensed thought about the compactor maybe that's what we'll go with it's a working title we'll see what happens we're just gonna throw stuff against the wall uh to really see what sticks so anyway like i said here to talk about guillermo del toro's 2021 nightmare alley now i had seen a little bit about this film uh, just some posters, some some screenshots. Uh, I knew a bit about the synopsis. I knew Bradley Cooper, uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, carnivals, uh, psychics, stuff like that, uh, which uh, is really fitting for Del Toro. Uh, it kind of seemed like it'd be fitting for my wheelhouse. So uh, let's get into it. Though we're gonna give you a synopsis. This is from the studio because I don't want to get too spoilery with it. The the plot goes a few places that I don't think the marketing really portrayed well, from what I understand. I tried to stay away from the trailers for this one just because I wanted to go in pretty fresh, and that might be the best way to go in. Uh, but you might have seen some trailers for this and were expecting one thing, and from what I gather, that may not be what uh, you wind up getting. So I'm going to give you a synopsis from uh, the studio that's kind of pretty vague as far as details, but it gives you a pretty broad idea of what's going to happen in this plot. So when a charismatic but down on his luck Stanton Carlisle, played by Bradley Cooper, uh, endears himself to clairvoyant Zena, played by Tony Collette, and her has-been mentalist husband Pete, played by David Stradern, uh, at a traveling carnival, he crafts a golden ticket to success, using this newly acquired knowledge to grift the wealthy elite of 1940s New York society. With the virtuous Molly, Rooney Mara, loyally by his side, Stanton plots to con a dangerous tycoon, Richard Jenkins, with the aid of a mysterious psychiatrist, played by Kate Blanchett, who might be his most formidable opponent yet. So, there you have it. It's this con game, kind of an intricate plot. Uh, the big thing to know about this, uh, I'm not sure how well it comes across in the uh, materials for it, but it is a film noir. Uh, it is Guillermo del Toro's take on the film noir genre, and it's actually based uh, on, on a book called Nightmare Alley from 1946 uh, by William Lindsay Gresham. 
which is a noir novel, pulp novel. Uh, it was first adapted in 1947 uh, by Edmund Golding and uh, screenplay by Jules Furthum, Furthman, uh, starring Tyrone Power, Joan Blondell, Colleen Gray, and Helen Walker. Uh, and the beats seem pretty similar, uh, but it is a film noir. So intricate plot, femme fatales, dark shadows, you, you know you know the thing. Uh, and so that's where this movie resides, and that kind of tells you, I think, a little better more about what to anticipate as we walk into the film. So this movie runs for 150 minutes. It is rated R, uh, primarily for violence and dark imagery. There is a lot of language as well as a bit of sex, uh, sexual content. Uh, so just that's where we're at with that barometer, um, if you're curious at all. Um, and so let's let's just kind of get into it. Um, uh, like I said earlier, big big Del Toro fan. Uh, kind of enjoy the film noir genre. I've seen a few of those. Uh, it, it's one I do like. Uh, the ones that I've seen, um, I like that aesthetic, the dark, paranoia, cynicism, really kind of in my wheelhouse. Uh, and so seeing Del Toro kind of get to play in that realm is interesting. Um, and so I, I think first off, we're going to kind of break this out. What goes right, what goes wrong. I think first and foremost is... Uh, production design. Uh, obviously, Del Toro uh, knows how to make a movie look great, and this is no exception. Uh, it looks beautiful. Uh, just some really cool production stuff, especially in the carnival scenes uh, in the first half of the film. I, I think uh, that's where it thrives visually. Uh, there's some cool stuff later, but I think a lot of the most striking imagery, the most interesting imagery, the most engaging and fun stuff and visuals really happens early on in that carnival sequence. Uh, and so it, it looks really good. It looks really cool. Um, some some fun lighting, some fun use of sets. Uh, the carnival itself is is very interesting place, and there's a lot of different, you know, stations and locales and, and uh, attractions within that, and each one has its kind of own unique build. Uh, which So it looks really good in that regard. I think that for the most part, uh, Del Toro navigates his tone, you know, really well. Uh, I think he presents a dark, mysterious, foreboding story that has some depth to it, uh, as far as narrative uh, thematic depth. Uh, I, I think in where he's playing and where he takes these characters, Staten Carlisle uh, specifically, um, has some ups and downs, uh, uh, both as far as the character, but also the way it's handled. Um, but I do, I do think that there attempts to be some thematic depth here uh, that might tend to be absent from uh, your typical uh, basic studio uh, film noir that you would have seen uh, in the 40s. Um, that being said, uh, I, I think we've got a great cast for the most part. I, I love Kate Blanchett, uh, who's really, really good here. David Strathairn is great here. Uh, we get Willem Dafoe for a bit, who's great. Um, you know, these these are just kind of a murderous row of people I love, character actors and actresses that I, I really enjoy watching. Uh, Tony Collette, Ron Perlman, you know, the, the, the kind of list just goes on. Uh, Richard Jenkins as well. Bradley Cooper is a man I really enjoy. Um, but I'll come back to him in a minute. And so I think casting is mostly right. Production design is right. I think for the most part that... The story is okay, uh, and so we'll, we'll kind of just go in transition here because I I, I want to like this movie a lot. I, I think that the first 
45 minutes or so of this movie, it, it feels like Hitchcock meets Stephen King meets Guillermo del Toro. And I really mean that in the best way. Uh, it has this kind of small Americana feel that I get when I read Stephen King's stories, especially his period stuff that he does occasionally. I, I thought a lot about the story Revival, which he published a few years ago, which has this kind of idea of dueling um, people with special powers and kind of also has a prestige feel. Uh, so it, it does have that going for it. Obviously, there's a little bit of Hitchcock here, I think, as well. I, I, some uh, some Vertigo DNA, I think, running through it. Um, and so for what it is, I, I, I was really invested in those first 45 minutes or so. And then the story takes a turn, and I just kind of lost interest. I, I don't think that uh, Stanley, Stanley or Stanton... Let me make sure I got his name. Stanton Carlisle, uh, played by Bradley Cooper, is an interesting character. I, I think that's where it really falls apart for me. Um, the first portion of this movie is he as a character is trying to find his footing, find his place within this world, within this motley crew of, of characters that are deemed freaks and weirdos and how he's kind of as a pretty boy stands apart. Uh, from them, but also with them, and, and how he's able to worm his way into the system. I think that's all great. I, I think that part of this movie is is firing at all cylinders. Um, but I think that character that he's playing uh, after the story takes its turn is just not interesting to me. Uh, we've seen him done multiple times. There's nothing new here. He's kind of a classic film stock character, and I don't think Cooper does anything really interesting with him. I don't think he makes decisions that make that character unique, stand out, engaging, uh, investing to follow. And with that, it sort of kills, I think, the back half of this movie. Um, it, it really feels like all the energy just leaves. I think everything is firing on all cylinders in the first half at the circus. Uh, and I think Del Toro is thriving. I think the cast is thriving. I think everything about this movie is thriving. And, and then there's a turn, and it kind of feels like it just loses everything it's built, all that momentum. And so I, I'm, I'm really torn on this because there's a lot about it I do like, and there's a lot about it that I really interests me, and I could see myself going back to this to revisit it and maybe finding a new appreciation for it. But as it stands, it's really hard to get into that, um, second half, it, it just really kills me. I think Kate Blanchett is just magnetic. I, I love her. I think she's one of the greatest actors working today. I really do. And she does well, but again, that character that she's playing, I, I don't, I don't buy the, the story between her and Stanton Carlisle. Kate Blanchett is Lilith Ritter. It, it just doesn't work for me and I don't know that the story payoff works as well with that in mind um, I do like there's a little uh, epilogue to the story uh, things kind of become full circle and I think that epilogue works but I, I think that the second half of this film just is bland and uninteresting in detrimental i think to the story on the whole especially with a movie that's this long uh I, it's 150 minutes 
And it really does begin to feel like that, I think. Uh, it feels like it just begins to spin its wheels in that back half. And I, I appreciate the visual look of it, but it also has this almost digital polish. I don't know the best way to look. I don't know if it's an exposition thing or a, uh, a filter thing or a post-production thing, but it just has a too clean look, I think. I think it needed to maybe be a little grittier uh, in, in parts visually. Um, because it feels a little too polished. I had a similar uh, problem with the uh, the Wolfman remake. I had a number of issues with that. But the Wolfman remake from 2009, I believe, is when that came out with the Del Toro, Benicio Del Toro uh, and Anthony Hopkins. It, it also had that feel of being way too polished for this type of story that it was. And I feel this way. Obviously, noirs are very visual genre uh, because of the lighting, because of the shadows. But I think there also has to be a natural element to it. And this feels a little too fake. And I think maybe that facade speaks to the characters, but I don't know if that's intentional or not. And so I, I'm, I'm really torn on this movie because I, I think the first half is a great movie and then it just drops off the cliff. And so I think if you're trying to figure out what you want to watch, if you're a big Guillermo del Toro fan, you've seen the, the full filmography, you're really familiar with all of his work um, or if you're a, a big film noir fan, I, I'd say check it out. Uh, I, I would say maybe a matinee if you want to see it in theaters. Obviously, this is opening against Spider-Man. I expect it to just kind of be buried under the rug, really. Uh, I expect it to be DOA, um, essentially, at the box office. Uh, I could be wrong, um, but that's kind of where I expect, especially with Matrix opening as well uh, next weekend. So I'm not expecting a strong performance from this. I think, from what I understand, Disney kind of buried it, and that stinks. I, I, I do think someone out there would find this movie and be fascinated with it. And it could turn out to be a cult classic in, in 20 years. I just don't think it has that going forward. I, I, I don't think it's visually or characterly, it's not a word, interesting enough the, to kind of build that cult goodwill. So, with that being said, you know, if I were ranking Del Toro's uh, filmography, this is probably towards the bottom for me, honestly. I, I, I think he is having a great time in the first half of this movie, uh, which is classic Del Toro. We got weirdos and oddities and freaks and, and everything that he loves, and he's playing so passionately with that. And when it becomes a traditional film noir, I, I think it just falls apart. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you wanted a number rating. I'd probably say six out of ten. Five and a half, six out of ten um, is where I would land. Uh, you know, three out of five stars is kind of, kind of where I've been with it in my head. So that's what I would place it at. Um, like I said, if if you're a Del Toro completionist, go check it out. Otherwise, I think you can pass. Um, this will probably show up on Netflix or HBO Max or Hulu in six months. And it might find new life at that point, but I, I really don't see this going anywhere. It feels kind of lackluster. That may be part of why Disney buried it. They they realized there wasn't much here, uh, which is kind of weird after Shape of Water. Uh, and I know there's a lot of stuff because I think 20th Century actually produced this. And then obviously with the Disney buyout, uh, that changes some things. And so, you know, I don't know whether it's that who it's for. I appreciate it because it is weird and it's big. Uh, great cast. I mean, a huge A-list cast in this just weirdo movie. 
I think that's cool. And, and the fact that they let Del Toro do that is is awesome. Uh, a lot of that goodwill, I'm sure, from from Shape of Water. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you skip this one. I, I think you catch it later in the year uh, when you have a chance to catch it at home uh, at a subscription cost uh, with one of your streaming platforms. So anyway, that's where we're at. Uh, this is Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, let me just throw out, because he didn't write this alone. He worked on this with uh, somebody else. Let me grab that information as well. So the screenplay is uh, credited to Del Toro and Kim Morgan, uh, and it is, again, based on the novel by William Lindsay Gresham. And so uh, I think that's interesting. I'm kind of interested to check out the original uh, version, which I've heard might be on Criterion. I could be wrong about that, the Criterion channel. Um, But I would like to check that out. Um, And so there you go. I I hope uh, you enjoyed this. Again, Nightmare Alley, Pass, uh, down the chute, into the trash bin for me. Uh, again, I am Arthur Gordon. Uh, this has been the uh, the Good Trash Garbage Chute quick reviews just for you. And I hope you'll uh, stick around and maybe we'll have some more of these down the line. Uh, until then, I'll catch you on the main show.